This is 680 CJOB. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Main Ingredient. Kevin Bergen here. I'm at my second home, Torque Brewing. What's the address here, Johnny? We are at 830 King Edward. El Presidente, John Heim, how are you? I'm spectacular. Thank you for asking. We are talking barbecue today. And, you know, I have my own barbecue neighborhood expert, Kevin B., just like me, Kevin Bolu. I've known this guy for how many years have we known each other, Kev? Since grade two. Whenever you moved to Crestview, that's when we became friends. That's right. And you know, our teacher back then was Mrs. Courageous, wasn't it? Do you remember her? Oh my gosh. 20 yeah. words, my friend. Oh. You remember that? I needed to know. Oh. Bad kids knew that. Yeah. If you didn't do something right, she would make you write out 20 words a bazillion times. Was it the word in the definition? I don't know. You That's a long know. time ago. I, like We're old now. You expect me to remember that. I'm not old. Um, okay, so we're here. I brought you here to, to torque because beer and barbecue, they go hand in hand. right? So we're going to talk about, I'm a, I, as much as I love to think I'm a barbecue expert, I'm totally not. I love fire. I love how food tastes on fire. It is on fire outside today. It's plus Ooh. a million. It is Saturday. What's the temperature out today? It was 44 with the Humidex when I checked last. Which is insane. But it's it is, hot. It is. It's a little hot. But it's perfect for barbecuing. Everybody should be out barbecuing. So first, let's get in a little, a little bit of the history, give people a bit of your background as far as, you know, you and, um, and barbecuing. What, what, what makes you want to cook over flames? You know what got me started? My, uh, my boss gave me a hand-me-down Traeger pellet grill. I was walking around the corner and he says, hey, I'm giving away this grill. Do you want it? And I knew enough to say yes. Hang on. What do you mean he's giving it away? Just gave it away. He just he was didn't upgrading. want it? He was upgrading. So he didn't even try to sell it? Nope. Kev, do you want this girl? Yes. I Who took it that? home <laughs> and I had to figure it out. Okay. So maybe you can explain to people what a pellet grill is. Well, we've got to talk about all the different styles of grills. Okay. Right? Let's, break it, let's break it down from the simplest to what you love. So we all grew up with a propane grill, right? Everybody had a propane grill. Where they had the cheap thermos, $79, lasts for like one winter or one summer, right? And then if you knew somebody with, with you know, someone whose dad had dough, right? Then they had like a Weber or a Napoleon right. or something, right? Correct. That, right? So there's the what we started with. Yep. And then, you know, I remember as a kid, my dad cooking on a hibachi, right? Those little hibachis they oh, would yeah. put down on the ground, yeah. right? It was yeah. terrible. And but then, those were... Did your dad use in the backyard or those remind me of camping? Because yeah. you use them when you're camping out somewhere. Yeah. You know, if you cooked on that, you were you know, a bit of a legend. But that's when, you know, like our parents would cook stuff to death. Brett, you're, you're, you you're, you're, you're different because your mom knows how to cook real well. Yeah. She's not a barbecue, but no. She can cook. She can. All right. What's next barbecue wise? Now we're jumping to your pellet grill. Now we're the pellet grill. Pellet so barbecue. It's like the world's best kept secret, right? Like you can't. You can't do anything wrong other than undercook food on it. What do you mean? You can't burn anything because it's like a convection oven. It's like a convection barbecue. But it's just fired by wood pellets. They're, so they're like little, they look like, they almost look like like rabbit turds, but smaller. Like rabbit turd in half. Yeah. Yeah. How does that make the pellet, how does that make barbecuing better? Because you get the wood flavor. You get the wood flavor. So you can get different kinds of pellets to Cherry change the flavor. And apple and hickory and mesquite and all of the different flavors. By the way, I don't know if they make a difference at all, but you can buy them. I'm curious to know what John has in his backyard barbecue-wise. What do you barbecue on when you barbecue? Well, first of all, I should mention that I think 
that the original movie Fifty Shades of Grey was how I grew up with on the barbecue. What? Well, which color would you like your meat? <laughs> I mean, there's I, various shades of grey. There was no medium rare. There was no... It was uh, overdone and overdone, way overdone. And yeah, it's not going to... There's going to be no juice on your plate. Although I do remember when I grew up, we... I think we were fairly fortunate. We had an indoor barbecue at our house on Lynn Acre in Fort Richmond. Indoor barbecue. Indoor barbecue. Yep. So my dad would cook steaks. Saturday night was steak night in our house. And we had round wooden plates and they had a, a moat to catch the juice on the outside of the plate. <laughs> so it was like a cutting board, but it was a steak plate. So you're saying, okay, it had a moat to catch the juice. So they yeah. were overdone or they were not overdone? When I think, of I think at the time, my dad state. actually knew what he was doing. But as you progress through life, if you're not trained, you know, if it was pink, I think because a lot of, a lot of times when you're eating chicken, if it was pink, it was bad. Send it back. Send it back because you're not going to feel well in the morning. But with meat, I've had meat that's been seared on each side gently. And if it's a nice cut of meat, it's fantastic if it's barely cooked. Sort of like biting a cow on the behind. That's that's how you like your steak. Yes, I do. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Thank you for acknowledging. Thank you for validating me. I've never I've never heard that explanation. I just made that up. Top of my head, just like that. It's my show. I do what but I want. Meat all doesn't right? have to be cooked <laughs> overcooked at all. It you know, the flavor, the tenderness and obviously the cut of meat is a huge sure. it's a huge part of what you're cooking. Like you're going to get stewing beef or you're going to get Angus beef. There's a big difference on how it's cooked to how it's marinated, how it's prepared. How does one learn about these things? You, Kevin, bull you. When you first realize, man, you know what? I want to know more about this barbecuing and food. What was your first step when you realized, man, I want to, I want to, I want to educate myself a bit. Food Network, right? The Saturdays, the Friday nights with the, you know, the, the Guy Fieri, you know, watching the Triple D and then, you know, the the Saturdays where you're trying to pick off all these shows that, that are specific to barbecue or just about cooking, right? And then you, you think, oh, okay, right? I'm, I'm going to try that. So, so I can do on, that. Hang on. Just so you know, the Food Network is a chorus company. So you've got like major brownie points right now on this show. But you, the, you found the information on the Food Network really influenced the kind of stuff you wanted to do? Sure. And learning-wise? Right, because we, you know... You know enough to know that barbecue is is southern U.S. and then there's the different regions, right? But what does that mean? So you you watch the Food Network and you see all these different restaurants and you see how these these folks put all these meals together and okay, what what does Texas barbecue mean? Well, I'm going to watch the show, right? And you're you want okay now I want to go to Franklin Barbecue, right? And I want to know what they do there to prepare their brisket and then you know it just takes you from one to another to another to another. And, you know, eventually you get brave and you light your grill and decide, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try cooking this. Right. So a lot of failure, a lot of failure. Well, you only get good when you fail, Johnny. Well, that's how I learned to water ski. If you're not falling, you're not trying. (laughs) So you got to keep going, try something new. And you know what? I grew up with barbecue and it was a tradition in the house on Saturday was barbecue night. Really? And we had, uh, I think a lot of people forget that, you know, used to get charcoal. Yeah. yeah. Remember charcoal? Yeah, charcoal Do barbecue. people use charcoal still? Yeah. I do it 
Yeah, for special occasions, yeah. yeah. Kingsford briquettes. I do that out for special occasions. Okay, so why would you use it on a special occasion? What does that bring to the food? It's just a whole different flavor. It's a whole different experience because you gotta, you gotta, you can't rush it, right? The pellet grill, I turn it on. It's just as fast as a propane grill uh, gets the temp. You cook, you're done, right? You can do it any day of the week. When you're cooking on wood or you're cooking on charcoal. You, you got to give yourself probably 45 minutes an hour to just get the just get the 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 heat where you need it I remember growing up we had something that looked like I don't know well in Manitoba there was the garbage receptacles called orbit oh yeah yeah remember that fifteen minutes to orbit yeah I time my dad we had a stand-up podium kind of orange and silver barbecue in the backyard it looked like an orbit my dad would put the briquettes on it and he'd have like this heating iron that would go in um which i think he might have bought after the fact because he used to spray butane all over it and throw a match and run away <laughs> and it was like a kiss concert for a second but then he had he Why had this weird sort sentence. of it was almost like a this weird heating iron that would go under the under the briquettes yeah they'd get them started and they'd pull it out and the briquettes would you know enjoy each other and get up to temperature and then he'd put the steaks on but it was a tradition. It was like making a great cup of coffee. Like there was, there was some knowledge and some time that went into it. And process. And a process and yeah. a, a thought. And to the end, to the end, which your guests were super happy that they either were there to witness it or they were there to enjoy the time that went into it. We were talking a lot about barbecue in the first segment. Mm-hmm. And I know you're not a guy of rules. I know you've. Uh, Taken a few classes, mm-hmm. a couple here and there, um, and really educated yourself on barbecue. And, you know, you're always like, we, we talked about rules, and now how in this day and age, there really are no rules. Nope. You just can't boil ribs. That's, you can't boil ribs. How, wait, how come you can't boil ribs? I, this is a rookie question. I'm sorry to ask. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't even know if I can find the words in the time to explain I, I, it I, to you why. You know. Because it ruins them. That's I, like doing a well-done steak. What if you boil it in... In sauce. No. Never boil it. No. Ever. Never. That just ruins them? Absolutely. What does it make them too loose? You're just taking all the texture, all the flavor, all the color, all the good things about ribs and you're boiling it away. You're just taking it away. Okay, so what's the. Go ahead, John. I was going to say that's like a family feud question. What do you do with ribs? I know, I know. Boil them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so family feud what's the number one answer how do i prepare those ribs not boiling them so i should just okay if i'm gonna barbecue them what's the best way to prepare them so there's the things that i've learned so far right this is an evolution in in learning Mm -hmm. right yep um you know what i do now is i'm gonna smoke it i'm gonna start it whatever seasoning i have on it it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. i'm gonna leave them on my smoker until i get the color that i want Right, I'm going to smoke for color, um, and then I'm going to wrap them with some sort of a liquid, um, and, and wrap them real tight, and just leave them to cook till I get to the texture that I want. Go ahead, John. Kevin, I have a question. For He's you. got his hand up. I yeah, love that. You got a question. This is radio. You I'm afraid. I'm afraid of ribs. What do you mean you're afraid I'm, of ribs? You're afraid to. I'm cook afraid them? to cook them. I'm afraid to look at them. I don't know what to do when, when I go to like Miller's Meats and see ribs. So how do you? pick ribs and then do you like how do people eat them do you how do you sort of 
figure out how you know if there's 20 people coming for dinner mm-hmm. do you buy a rack of ribs because that's sort of a phrase like a pint of beer but that's sort of been mutated and pork or beef right but would you buy Side raw ribs at the at the uh abattoir there's a word there's a word thank you people are scared of of, of things that they don't know how to tackle so and i don't think it's all that complicated but they just need to follow some steps so when you buy ribs do you talk to the butcher about what you want to do with them or how do you pick them you know that's a that's a good question i've never actually thought about it in that granular sense right like i just you know my rule is buy more than i need right i never want to run short you know whether it's for my just for my family if we're having company or you know my favorite thing to do is cook a ton of food and then the next day bring it to work and and have everybody iron chef critique it right and and hopefully enjoy it um see i'm I'm way too greedy for that i like buying too much just so i can eat it for three days see i can't eat it all right i just can't i want to but i can't so i i my my i just not greedy enough man i love cooking for everybody else that's my thing i love cooking for everybody else i mean i've bought ribs at costco that are ready to go right you just put them in the oven for 15 minutes they're ready they're already cooked they're in a bag they got the sauce that is not to me the quintessential way to eat ribs but i think people are afraid to tackle what might not be a, mo- a complicated process to enjoy ribs. It isn't. I do it in a three-step process. I, okay, it, it, started, it. it started with the Traeger 321 ribs, right? You smoke for three hours, you cook for two, you put, and they say one hour to put them on the grill to sauce. That's way too long. Um, but I've, you know, I've just played with it myself, what works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I started. So I started by looking up all these recipes and sort of seeing what was familiar between all of them. And... You know, what did each step accomplish, right? What step gave me the color I want? What step gave me the texture I want? And what step was the finish, right? When you go to Tony Roma's and you get a rack of ribs and they're consistently um, the same every time, how do they do that, right? What did they do to get that? Um, so that's why I started with the three, two, one ribs. How did? How long did it take you? How many racks of ribs did it take you before you were satisfied with your version of three, two, one? Honestly, probably between three and five cooks. After the third, the first time you did it and it wasn't the way you wanted it to be, were you thinking, okay, well, I did something wrong or I just don't like the way these ribs are? No, I was pretty confident it was me, right? Mm Because there's a lot of people that cook a lot of great food Mm -hmm. and it turns out every time. So what am I doing wrong? So the first time you did it, what was the thing you did wrong? What did you tweet? I was totally impatient. I didn't give it anywhere near enough time. And I didn't know, I didn't know what to do to get the result that I was looking for, whether it was color or whether it was texture, right? I had these ribs that were like, they looked great, but I didn't cook them near long enough. And I didn't, I didn't, you know, I could have left them in the, I started with a Bradley smoker actually years ago, um, but I didn't leave them in there near long enough. I should have wrapped them because now I know that I need to wrap them in what? Foil. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? I didn't know I need to braise them to break down the collagen and all these sort of things that you, you hear all these really smart people talk about. And uh, John thinks he's really smart, so you know. Well, that's okay. I'm probably. just saying. I can take a shot at you. Like I said, it's my show. Anyway, Kev, go ahead. Yeah. No. And uh, yeah, I just figured out that I had to, you know, I had to do something different, right? It's about consistency. You know? It doesn't sound all too different than the brewing process. Mm-hmm. Like, to get the recipes we had at Torque, we had to fail a lot. Sure. We had to get people to try it. We had to try things and you can't rush things. Yeah. 
right? And then everything, one of the best phrases I ever heard, I worked with, uh, well, I really enjoyed Jordan Van Sewell, who's a local sculpturist. And I asked him, how long did it take you to make this sculpture? He said, 27 years. Mm -hmm. Because everything that he learned before that one went into that one. Right. Right. So you learn and nobody understands the fact that you needed to learn the people that are enjoying what you've come up with or the knowledge you impart came with a history. Yeah. Right. Sure does. Everything. So they can enjoy the history and they can just move on from that. But people just need to know they don't have to be afraid of something. They can try it. Like, and you can fail. That's how you learn. You can right. fail. Yeah. Because sometimes yeah. people will fail at doing something and they think, man, I can't do that, whether it's ribs or whatever else. Like sometimes you've got to figure it out yourself. And plus, sometimes there's certain rules to do, you know, a certain way or recipe to make a certain thing. But maybe you don't like it that way. Maybe mm-hmm. you want to add your own little flair in it. But and that's I agree not a bad with, thing. I agree with Kevin that no one wants boiled meat. No. <laughs> no. On, no. The, on the rib side. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. okay right. So what are our favorite meats on the barbecue? When you think barbecue, the first meat that comes to your mind for you because nothing's wrong, is what? Holy grail is brisket. The holy grail is brisket. Is that what you make nine times out of ten? That's people what I'm going to do tomorrow. Oh, I'm coming over. I know yeah. where you live. You sucker. Shouldn't have never told Bring me where it. you live. Bring it. You're always invited. How many times have I texted you to say, hey, Kev, come over and taste this because I want you to, I, I need your affirmation is what happens. You know, it's sad because it's sad I actually am going to come by. You're going you're gonna to really regret it. Johnny. Well, I'm embarrassed. I'm not even sure what brisket is. What's brisket, Kevin? It is a big hunk of beef. Thank you. The flat and the point. If you're doing so, a full bracket. A full, okay. Full packer, so yeah. that's low and slow. You cook that for a day, you, like the smoker, like. Well, how's that, yeah, how's that work? You get up at like 3.30 in the morning for no. a barbecue at night. Again, Chef Rob with uh, Big Smoke Barbecue. Yep. I took his course and I learned that, you know, you don't have to spend two days preparing this. Right. He, you know, he tells stories like he does competition, which is something that I would never get into, but never, never, ever, ever, never say never. Well, okay. Yeah. You know, five years from now, you're going to be back all of a sudden competition barbecue kept. Sure. Just saying. You never know. Yeah. But then, you know, he tells the story of how he started to figure out that he didn't need to stay up all night to cook for these competitions that doing it hot and fast broke the rule, but he got really good results. Right. So. Yeah, for me, that's the holy grail. Like I've done, you know, I've only done maybe half a dozen briskets, but I've had a lot of good luck. But because I spent the money and took the course, we're going into the the education side of it. I spent the money and took the course because, you know, it was, let's just say it was a hundred bucks for the course. Well, it's a hundred bucks for a brisket. So if I can save ruining a brisket by taking this course and just kind of jump the queue a bit, well, then it was worth it. It was totally worth it. It's like you're saving money. Honey, don't worry. I know it's $100 for the course, but I'm saving money. Just, yeah. Makes complete sense. Don't Think worry. of the kids. Don't Think wor- of the children. Don't worry about it, girl. I got this. It's all about the children. <laughs> all right, we're going to take another break. We're going to talk more about barbecuing, but we're going to spin some beer in there. Speaking of which, which which beer does he got? He's I- got an easy drinking, uh, well, for today, with a 44 Humidex. Ooh. That's our easy drinking blonde ale. It's wonderful. You like it? Yeah, really, really do. I've never had a bad beer here. You know what I mean? Um, and me, this is my first witty Belgian. I've never tried this beer before. It's really good. Well, it's an easy drinking uh, Belgian wit made with citrus. Hey, who's uh, I'm at Torque Brewing. I'm with John Heim and <laughs> <laughs> my buddy Kevin Beaulieu. Um, and we were talking barbecue. All right. We're at Torque because beer and barbecue go hand in hand. The first se- the first couple segments we were talking more about barbecue, but we're gonna flip it to we're gonna talk to John about 
beer. Okay. Um, you were comparing, Kevin, you were comparing, or you were asking John a question about, mm. um, you know, ingredients and everything that goes into, does he notice certain things? What were you asking him? So every time you talk to a brewer, they talk about, well, I, you know, I've got this spice and this fruit and all these different, they pull all these, like, it's like a, a judge on Iron Chef, right? Like mm-hmm. they, they can pick all these hints of this and that and the other thing, like, uh, you know, I'm wondering when you go out to eat or when you eat anywhere, does that translate into what your experience is? I think so. I mean, if people know what they're drinking, beer has come a long way from what it used to be when we were growing up. And when I say we, I mean, collectively. Sure. 45 plus at the table here today. It's even um, come a long way since we met. How long have we known each other now? I think four years. Four years. From- and when we were, we have our fourth birthday coming up this August. And at the time we were serendipi- serendipitously enough, we were the fourth brewery in Manitoba. And it seemed groundbreaking, the stuff that you guys were doing yeah. back then. Like there wasn't a lot of breweries doing the types of flavors and stuff you guys were doing. Yeah. And now there's so many. It, it seems like everybody wants to do Everybody's accepted doing different things now. Like how, you know, at how the time, we weren't really thinking about um, complementing it with food. Mm-hmm. But now we are. We're, mm-hmm. we're getting requests for uh, Manitoba Supper Club, uh, seafood boils. Uh, we're getting people asking, how do I integrate my, your stout with sort of a gravy or mm. slow cooking a, like a pulled pork? Um, how does the stout work? How does it break down the fibers? How does it complement the meal? How can I make a gravy or a sauce with it? Were you getting those questions four years ago? We were not. What do you think changed? What, what do you think now I think, changed that? You know, the Manitoba beer industry has grown. We're 17 brewers now in Manitoba, which is fantastic. And we're helping educate folks that there are other options for you when you buy beer. You can visit a tap room. You can talk to the brewer. You can figure out what they're go- going on. If you like a hoppy beer, if you like a citrusy beer, if you like a dry beer or a sour beer or a Goza or a Berliner Weiss, there are options for you that could work well with a salad or seafood or meat uh, or chicken or spicy food. Our IPAs go really well with uh, Cajun food and spicy foods. Mm-hmm. They kind of complement uh, what you're eating. So it, it actually makes your uh, the cuisine part of the evening a little bit more effervescent. Kevin, when you're barbecuing, have you thought of uh, pairing? Do you take much thought into beer depending on what you're making? Have you thought about that? No, I haven't. It's kind of, kind of strange. You think about red meat. You, you pair a red wine with red meat and then a white wine with, you know, like chicken and seafood, right? Like that's super old school. Right. You know, but, you know, never thought about, oh, this beer, or that beer would go well with this. Mm-hmm. The last four years has been a lot of education for people. Right. So as local brewers, our goal is to help educate folks on both why you should help support local business, enjoy beer as part of your uh, you know, weekend or nightly ritual. Um, if you have some discretionary income, let's try something new. Let's try a milkshake stout. Let's try an IPA that's super hoppy. Let's try a Berliner Weiss. Let's get educated on, on what we're drinking and why. And how it works, not only with just on its own in the backyard, but how it could either work as part of your dinner, but also to make your dinner a little better. How it can bring out some flavors that may not have existed. Just like wine. Mm -hmm. You know, people used to think, oh, you have to white wine with fish. But it it went on to, like, drink the wine you love with the food you love. It doesn't matter what you're drinking. Right. But in some cases, you know, beer has come to that but a little less sort of 
I don't know where it is last, aloof or snobby, mm-hmm. right? Because yep. beer, but we all have our friends that are the craft brewers who make you feel bad about not knowing what mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. hop you're drinking. And that's not what we're all about. It's all about sort of, I hate to use the word, but flattening the curve these days mm-hmm. about what craft beer means to people. If, if you like a beer, buy it, enjoy it. You can pair it with something, but it can also make things better if you know how to use it. Right. My rule for food and for alcohol, beer, wine, whatever, is if it tastes good to you, then it's good. Can we agree on that? Absolutely. 100% agree. Yeah. Um, your birthday's coming up, like you said, four years in the business. I want to know, are people more accepting of the ideas and the different flavors that you have now four years later? And what's going on for your birthday? Well, as a business, we need to sort of uh, temper the trends in the industry against sort of our core beer drinkers, you know, the everyday beer. So there's fun stuff. We do sour beers. We do Goza beers. We do, uh, you know, American IPAs. But those are sort of seasonal. And we want to make sure that we can fulfill that need for our customers at the same time when they want a really good blonde ale, they want a really good Belgian wit that we are there for them. And, you know, it used to be that when Manitoba went into the, you know, like November where it's dark by 3.30, that, oh, we should be drinking heavy, dark beers, right? Let's mm-hmm. do wheat wines and barley wines and imperial stouts. And, like, let's remind us of the fact that it's dark outside. But we want to – this year we're going to actually – I've started sort of an innovation nation kind of committee here at Torque, and we want to talk about how we make things a little brighter. Like, people want to be reminded of summer. Yeah, extend the summer. Extend, mm-hmm. you know, tart beers and, and at least have the opportunity to because other beer, other breweries do it. So let's not let's not forget about those folks and give them a local option. 100 percent. Um, again, four years later, your birthday is coming up on the 22nd, 22nd of August. And what does Torque? Ha- you know, you're not a guy that's going to sit there and let something go by without doing something special. What's going on there? Well, we have um, clowns and balloon animals. No, I'm kidding. Of course, <laughs> we have. <laughs> We have got some uh, great local bands. We've got some special special beer that we're just brewing for that day. We have got uh, a craft market, which we're actually going to do this year. And uh, just basically with social distancing, we're trying to make sure we've got enough room to have everybody here. Right. Because we still have to be uh, cognitive of that. For sure. And just local bands, local beer, local band, uh, not bands, but local uh, craft brewers. Um, we're hoping maybe because we do a lot of um, contract brewing with other other folks, so we might have some special releases uh, with other guys, and then a craft market. So it's going to be a great day. We're talking about my two favorite things, beer and barbecue. I'm with Kevin Bolu, my expert barbecue guy. Kev, how how you doing? I'm uh, doing really well. Thanks, buddy. And he's got the Barry White bedroom voice. Um, and John Heim, president of Torque Brewing. Can't I'm nod your head. fine. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, you know. I was just about to. You know, you just jumped in too quick. That's what happened. Okay. All right. So uh, COVID-19, it's been a long, well, still a long road for everybody. How has it been in the beer industry during this time for you? We shut down the taproom March 17th. But that was a big, big thing for us because the taproom is the meeting place for folks if they want to enjoy our beer. And that's where the conversation happens for about beer. And that's where staff interacts and beer is shared. And our small batch stuff is enjoyed by people. We shut it down and it was devastating. We laid a few people off. 
well, not a few, 80% of folks in the back were laid off. Then we pivoted. That sucks right there, right? Yeah, that sucks. I mean, having those conversations with staff that have been here for four years and putting their heart and soul into it, it was, it was a hard decision. Luckily enough that there was, uh, you know, government, uh, opportunities and programs for them to at least recoup some of their income. We pivoted and we started doing home deliveries and we were so busy. We actually invited folks to come back because we couldn't keep up to the home deliveries, which is awesome. Did you expect that? I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but it, you know, the, the worse it got, the more orders went up as far as in the media was concerned. And most local brewers started offering home delivery, which would make sense. People don't want to leave their homes. But people, you know, you got time to kill and I want, I want some beer and you're going to yeah. bring it to me. It's a no brainer. And, you know, we make a little bit more per beer when we sell it out of the tap room, as does every other tap room. So we don't have to pay the markup that we pay um, at Liquor Mart. People weren't leaving their homes, So we were delivering and we also started offering up uh, what we called our small batch beer, which typically was available only in the tap room, which people you normally come to a tap room to enjoy things they can't get packaged. Is this the beer club we're talking about? Is this what we're leaving Well, it's to? a sort of a segue into why we came up with it. Okay. So we introduced some interesting beer during COVID, which we packaged. And what happened was that it would sell out in 10 minutes on our website. And people would, uh, you know, add our Blonde Ale, our Red Line, a couple of variety packs. But mostly they were just trying to get this new beer that wasn't available anywhere. So you were doing that obviously because people couldn't come into the tap room and taste your, your small batches, you know, in the tap room. So you're doing small batches and decided to offer it online. We decided to package it. So we pivoted and we made a label and we, you know, 200 cans would be available each week and they would sell out in 20 minutes. Shut up. So I thought, well, let's come up with a league of extraordinary small batch beer clubs and sell memberships. So the people don't have to wait in line. They would know each month, they're going to get four extraordinary beer that no one else is going to get. And they just come to the tap room and get it. And how did that go over? You said that was... Uh, uh, we sold 100 memberships in a week. So how many memberships? 100 memberships is the cap. That's the cap with our current small batch system. We mm-hmm. can get about 400 cans out. Uh, I didn't want to overpromise. If it gets to be a little bigger than that, we might look at maybe a bigger test batch system. But there was also a bit of um, sort of exclusivity involved with that, that folks that really love beer, that bought into it early, sight unseen, not knowing the schedule for the beer. Um, I wanted to reward them by not having that beer available sort of mass market. Obviously, you, wanna, you, you want to make things available to people, but you also want people to, you know, you want to build up a demand for it. When they couldn't get it, when it sold out in 20 minutes, what were people, was there a lot of frustration? Because, it, you know, people would be like, well, I just, I just logged on. Like, you just put this up, like, and it's been up for half a day, and I just logged on, and it's, it's not available. Did you get a lot of calls regarding that kind of stuff? I got a lot of sad face emojis. <laughs> <laughs> but it also, it also helped them understand that they need to be up on Monday morning on the website. But 20 minutes. To, to book it. That's that's insane. You know what I mean? Like, I gotta sit there. How do I know when it's? Co- how would they know it's coming up? They knew every morning on every Monday, the next 
day that it would be available for home delivery. So they could reserve it online. Oh, got it. Understand. So when it was gone, it was gone. So I would have to, we would be monitoring inventory up front because we didn't have live inventory. So we would be physically counting cans as the orders were coming in. Wow. That's and I'd have to just say, take it off the website. Just like, like that. that Ikea commercial. Get to the car. Start the car. What if Bill, you had 200 and Bill got in, you know, got in and now 205 and you got to make, and I need five more cans. It can happen. Wow. Sorry. So Bill. we had to uh, refund folks. And, but and then people knew that they had to order. So it just, I just saw an opportunity that people really wanted non-core beer delivered to them in a situation where they can't get out to liquor mart. What would make you expand that program? You're at 100. Hmm. What would make you expand it to 150? How many people? Are, there's got to be people on this queue. There's a queue now. There's, there's a people queue. waiting. It's a queue. It's like uh, jet season tickets, right? You, there's, a, there's a lineup. But our current system can only do 400 cans. So we, unless we upgrade and go to a two, three, four, five barrel system for our test batch system. When are you going to upgrade? How long is the piece People want to know. We don't know. People want to know. We don't know. So if I ask you next week, you're going to have an answer? I will not have an answer. How about next month? Possibly. That means no answer, Kevin. That means no test batches for Kevin B's, Kevin Bullyu and Kevin Bergen. You're always on. You know, you can always phone the bat, the bat phone. Yeah, but the bat phone, all I'm ordering is witty. No one answers it. It's very sad. I, I always want to stray from witty Belgian. I want to try different beers. You always suggest different beers. But it's kind of like sometimes when you go out to eat somewhere mm. and you know that they have a lot of great things on the menu, but you, you just have to have what you want when you want it. I, I know we're kind of, I know we're talking about one single beer, but let's, what, what is in this beer? Witty Belgian. Well, that is a Belgian style beer. It's a wheat, it's a wheat beer with Belgian yeast. And then what we also do is what behind the scenes, the boys in the back, Hands zest, lemon, limes, and oranges into the boil, and then we add some coriander. Do they actually do it by hand? They hand by zest hand. it. They hand. They sit over a five-gallon pail and zest it. And wow. they do this willingly. Begrudgingly. Begrudgingly. I don't care if it's willingly, begrudgingly, it or if it goes right in the boil. And it care. actually, I'm always a fan of you know if people want to put a orange or a lemon or something on the side of their beer. That to me, you know, when you drink. A beer with lime. Hang on. So you're going to say it's like boiling ribs, aren't you? No, I am not. Well, that's going to be my question. I would say that I would rather have the fruit in my beer than on my beer. Like just already in, ready to go. It's already in. It's integrated. When you have a beer with lime and you squeeze your lime into it, it tastes like lime. Correct. It tastes like beer. The whole rim tastes like lime too. So is that that the thing or is there another thing that you see people do to beer that drives you crazy? Yeah. Yeah, What's what, your beer full pause? What makes you want to come over the counter? <laughs> Take your beer back and say, we you know We don't do what? anything here, although we did just start adding uh, liquor and gaming offered us the opportunity to enhance our beer with uh, spirits. Like? So we can add tequila, bourbon, and gin to our beer. Whoa. Oh. And your thoughts on that? People are enjoying it. It's up front. It's not, you know, it's not what I think beer might be, but... It's a $10 ticket, so if it gets people interested in our beer, you know. Uh, You're just open to anything. You're not saying it's right or wrong. You just, you it's, know not what? Un- it's not unlike adding, you know, beer to. Like a shandy. It's like almost a shandy the same thing. or mm. a gravy or a marinade. 
it's just part of the it's part of the evening it's part of the entertainment i don't think we're in the beer business i'm in the entertainment business so that makes a big difference when you look at the perspective right i don't want to narrow i don't want to get blinders on beer when i grew up was beer right you drank it and it was just beer mm -hmm. but now it's part of the barbecue right it's part of uh you know an evening out it's a charcuterie board it's it's part of um you know a rib coating mm -hmm. uh, for a chicken wing it's part of a cocktail it's it, it beer is more than beer now in my opinion and that's where I want to see it go because that helps us push sales and helps integrate beer into a lifestyle. So what you're saying is no rules. No rules. We sewed it up right there. Gentlemen, it's been fantastic. John from Torque, thank you very much. You're welcome. Oh, uh, by the way, how are you doing? You okay? I'm uh, six out of seven today. Okay, perfect. Kevin Beaulieu, barbecue, backyard barbecue guy. Thanks, Kev. We've been talking about this for a long time, and I'm glad it finally happened. It's awesome. Yeah, what a radio awesome. voice. Anyway, everybody, thanks for tuning in to the main ingredient this week. We will talk to you next week. Peace out. This is 680 CJOB.